Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the 46th annual Common Ground Country Fair. We're so excited to be here. <laughs> the Common Ground Country Fair is hosted by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association, also known as MOFCA. And I'm Sarah Alexander. I'm the executive director of MOFCA. And really excited to see everyone out here on the commons on this nice, beautiful, sunny afternoon. Welcome back. So MOFCA, formed in 1971, works year-round to create a food system that is healthy and fair for all of us. We do that through training, education, and advocacy, and we're working to help make uh, farmers thrive, build more sustainable food communities for all of us, and sustainable communities as well. And we're doing that right here at MOFCA because MOFCA is powered by the sun entirely. We have 102 kilowatt solar array here on the grounds today that power us year round and cover all the power for the fair. So we're thankful to our partners at Revision Energy for helping make that happen. Mafka's campus is 300 acres and we are situated in unceded Wabanaki territory. MAFCA is working throughout the year to build relationships with Wabanaki communities, to partner on food sovereignty, and to advocate for Wabanaki tribal sovereignty. We encourage everyone to visit the Maine Indian Basket Makers Alliance tent, which is right over here on the commons, or visit their website to support Wabanaki artisans and learn more about Wabanaki culture. So this afternoon, I'm honored to introduce Muhadeen Liba, He's the executive director of the Somali Bantu Community Association and has been working for Somali Bantu communities since graduating from high school in 2002. He graduated from the University of Southern Maine in 2014 with a bachelor's degree in natural applied science with a biology concentration and a minor in holistic health. And before he came to the United States in 2005, he taught elementary school for four years, teaching English, math, science, and agriculture to elementary and middle school students. Since he came to the United States, he's been working with nonprofit organizations in his own community. The Somali Bantu Community Association of Lewiston, Maine is the third non-governmental organization that he has co-founded. And he's consulted with seven other nonprofit organizations across New England and New York. His focus has always been food production, security, and sustainability, and he wrote his thesis on that topic. He's currently the executive director overseeing 11 programs in the community, including the farming program, Liberation Farms, which has seen incredible success in the last two years. The mission of Liberation Farms is to provide new American farmers access to and culturally appropriate resources for the means of sustainable food production for themselves, their families, and their communities. In his keynote today, Muhadeen will speak of Liberation Farms as food justice in action. The farm is a demonstration of the success that is possible when marginalized communities have the opportunity to organize and lead themselves. Please join me in welcoming Muhadeen Liba. Hello, hello. Can you hear me? Okay. Hey, Tristan. Uh, my name is Mehedin Liba. I was born in Somalia, southern Somalia. Uh, the place where it is warm all the time. You don't see cold. The coldest will be around 78, 
uh, 68 to 78 is the coldest days of Somalia. So I have been, I lived in Somalia where we were the farmers, we were the food producers, and in Somalia we have two groups of people, people who rear animals and move from one place to the other, and then the rest who live on our permanent small towns and sometimes big times on either side of the river and then on a lake, lake regions where the production was so great. So we owned pieces of land. Uh, for example, my dad had like six pieces of land uh, that had mangoes, lemon trees, coconuts, and uh, in the eyes of the world, my dad could be the richest person because he owned all the things that he needed. But in Somalia, he is the poorest person. We have never seen any other country. We never had any vacation. Uh, and at the same time, we were the food basket of the whole country. The Somali Bantus were the farmers who were producing food for the whole country. They were the ones who would wake up early in the morning and go to the farm and do the hard work. At the same time, they are not respected as a farmer. They are not given uh, the price of the food that they qualify. And on top of that, the government doesn't help the people. They only come and take the, the taxes and they don't develop the land. They don't give them irrigation systems. Sometimes the river will swell and break and destroy the, the crops with flood. All those are the things that we have been through. And our people chose to continue farming even though nothing has been given to them. Uh, even though the government did not give them a hand, still our people were in the game planting and doing the food for the whole country. Uh, that all changed. Uh, in the 90s and in the, in the 80s and 90s when the Somali civil war started and the first thing that happened was they started evicting us from our motherland uh, which was the heart of our culture and that is when the hell uh, broke away because the, uh, we started moving from one place to the other and the definition of home started to appear we never thought of a home because we were born in the same place where my mom was born. She was in the same place where her, her, her mom and dad were born. So we were in the same place for centuries and we did not have to think about the definition of home. We did not have to think about where is home because we never traveled, we didn't have any vacations. We were happy where we were. And then we started moving around a few times within the country. Uh, we were called the internal displacement people. You move from one village to the other, and then that village is raided. You move to the next village until we were pushed out of the country to Kenya refugee camps. Uh, in Kenya refugee camp is, is another different kind of situation where you just stay in, in one place and you can't move from one camp to the other. And everything is handed to you. Uh, if you need food, the UN will give you after 15 days. You need water, you, the water will start eight o'clock in the morning, it will be shut off at 11, and then it will restart at three o'clock. Everything is like scheduled, and that is the life we started uh, experiencing. And you cannot affect a change in your life. Like 
when we were in Somalia, we were trying to start a business. We were trying to grow different kinds of animals. We were trying to go away from uh, sustainable food to cash crops, just to affect a change on your living situation. But in Kenya, you, you, there's, no, there's nothing like that. And we were in the refugee camps for over 20 years in that situation. And then we got the process of coming to US. And uh, the Somali Bantus were the people who has never gone to any other country uh, from Somalia to Kenya. The rest of the people had experience with passports. They had different kinds of traveling means. But the Somali Bantus were just people who did not know where to travel to. They did not know the norms to, to travel. They did not have any access to anything outside their, their communities. So the U.S. decided to take 12,000 refugees from the Dab refugee camp to U.S. And that is, one of, uh, that is how we get the process of coming to U.S. When we came to U.S., uh, we were settled in big cities. People started being robbed in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, like Tucson, Arizona, uh, Illinois, Chicago. I personally was robbed in, in Syracuse, New York. So people started uh, feeling weird because we came from rural, rural area where you have to start fire single morning, where you have to walk miles just to get dirty water to bring home and you settle it, you boil it, you drink it. You have to do like three, four different steps before you can drink the water. Uh, to this big city where we have mass transit, where we have all these massive amounts of like, massive systems like bus system, train system, a car that you can't walk to a distance where we were walking to any distance we, we like, we wanted to. So, uh, people started asking about rural areas and people started calling out. I started calling because I did not like where I was. It was busy. I was uh, trying to walk and I could not work. So I, I started feeling, oh, this is not a good place for me to live because I have to take a bus every morning and then take to, uh, it takes me to downtown, from downtown to my job and I missed my exit one time and I, I lost my job. So I started feeling weird. I'm like, okay, let me look for other places. And at the same time, I started a nonprofit organization in that town, that city. And people who started coming to Maine learned that I am doing a nonprofit organization. So they called me out of the blue and they said, okay, you want to come to Maine and help us set up this nonprofit organization? We are a group of people, a community, and we want to form something like a community. I'm like, okay, let me think. So they give me a gas money. I drove north and I came to Maine, and everything seemed slow, and the, the, all the lights are green. You don't wait in a traffic. You just go, 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 go. And I, I started liking the area. So... <laughs> Uh, and then I went back home. I told my wife, oh, I have seen Maine. It is, I, I described the way Maine is, and she was like, I'm moving. <laughs> and I said, could you wait? Because it's only in October. I can't, I can't just take up and leave because I'm enrolled in a college classes. 
I have to finish this semester and then go. She's like, no, you stay and finish your college. I'm gone. And I, we traveled on a weekend. And these people were already waiting for me because I started some classes on how to organize, how to form a board, uh, which is something different. Like the idea of like ruling by just how many people accept the idea was like crazy for us. Uh, I'm telling them, I'm teaching them how to form a board, how to vote. And one person just walks out because his idea doesn't work. And the rest are yes, and this guy is no, and he's upset. He walks out of the room. I bring him back. This is not how it works, you know, majority leads. So it took me a while to teach them how to form a board. And then I went back to New York, finished my classes, moved over by December of, 20, to December of 2005. So my reason of coming to Maine was the Somali Bantu Community Association which I became the co-founder. And I was doing volunteer work because uh, the organization was so tiny and nobody was giving them funds. And the people were saying, Muhyiddin, please help us. Go, we, we rent an office for you. You go and sit in that office and help us on a drop-in basis. And I would like to help my people. At the same time, I need to pay my bills. So I was in a situation where I go to a full-time job, a part-time college, and also work, work for the community. I wake up 8 o'clock in the morning. I go to the office up until 2-ish. And then I go to LLB in 3.30 shift to 11, and then do weekend classes. So that is how I was uh, doing all my stuff. And in 2015, uh, when we started uh, forming as an organization, we got the 501c3, and then things started falling in the right places, and people started thinking about, okay, uh, they were thinking, oh, before we came to US, we were thinking, oh, everything is processed. Everything is done by machine. Nobody does handwork. And then people were slowly hired into the farming sectors, they started seeing people doing the actual work and they were like, oh, we can do that. This is the same thing we used to do back home in Africa. And they started bugging me. They were like, oh, Muhyiddin, we need to start our own farming project. We can't depend on anybody anymore. So that gave me a task, which I did not know where to start. Uh, I was looking for land. I would go to somebody and ask for land, any open area. I didn't know. I did not know the system. I did not know the leasing system, and what it go, what goes into. And then I was talking to my friend Jim Hanna, who is in food systems, and he was also looking on his side. I was looking on my side, and he got a break, uh, where this couple was trying to farm, and somebody break a big piece than they like they wanted, and they give us a section of that. And everybody was like, are you guys farmers? People were stopping for us, just dropping in and talking to us. They are looking at the methods and how we farm. And we did not try to bring in big machinery. We did not try to learn the sophisticated system. We just started simple, our own ways of farming. We started bringing in a small hose, uh, rakes, and everything was done by hand. And people got interested in our program. And then the community was, uh, we started with 20 farmers. The next year was 40. 
and then the next year was 80. Every, the, the, the count is becoming double and triple and quadruple. And what in the idea of starting our own farming program was to help our people who most of them depended on welfare uh, to grow their own uh, organic uh, chemical-free food so that they don't show up at the expensive aisles. You know, organic food is expensive than any other things in, in, in the grocery stores. So my idea was for them, because they know they have the experience, they know the know-how, I wanted them to produce their own. And then we started uh, producing more than we can consume. And that is when the idea of opening up to donation slash sale came in. We started partnering with, uh, with uh, Mainas Feeding Mainas program. Uh, those were the first accounts we had and we were selling to them. And sometimes uh, we were donating the food with the people around our communities. And the food we produce is being donated all the way to New England up to New York. People are coming for the corn, fresh corn. And, and on every weekend, like yesterday, I had my friends come all over from upstate New York, where I used to be, to just came and have the fresh time with us and, and, and like spend time. Like they are in a busy place and they do not have the, the luxury we have in sitting outside where there's no traffic, where there's no issues. So they came to visit us and we spend the time uh, weekend afternoons. Uh, one issue we had was we could not feed all the farmers in one place because we are having over 200 farmers. And then we started uh, leasing other places and nobody could give us a long-term lease. People were like, oh, okay, uh, farm with us this year and see what happens next year. And it is the difficulty for me is that if I have 200 farmers and I don't know where to put them next year for sure, that was what was keeping me up at night. And, w and then we started uh, looking at other options, trying to have long-term lease or maybe try to own our own piece of land. We started looking around, thanks to my partners, my I can see all of them. Jacob is right over there. Lana, Christina, all of them are here. The people who helped us move the massive things that we were trying to move. So we put our heads together and came up with this idea of buying together, buying land together with uh, Main Farmland. Main Farmland Trust helped. Agrarian Trust was the partnership who helped us to fundraise and buy this piece of land. Today, uh, we have 103 acres piece of property in Wales. Uh, it is 14 minutes away from where I live, but downtown Lewiston is around 20, 22 minutes away. And we are not only farming there, it's a venue where our people and everybody from the community can go and have time with their families. And we have chickens, goats, and also different kinds of productions. And we are still thinking about what we can add there because uh, we are part of the community and we wanna be a productive community. Maybe teach our cultures to the rest of the community 
uh, create something where we can share our food. Uh, there are different ways of cooking food. We have our own ways. Uh, the, the the rest of the communities have their own. So our our kids love the American kids' uh, foods like the pizza and fast foods, which is not healthy sometimes, but they love it. And we should introduce our food to the rest of the communities. And one of the ideas we are trying to do is have our own commercial kitchen uh, where we can have, this is something we are thinking about, just have a Friday evening uh, dinner where everybody can come and, and try and test our foods. So just to make uh, that community, the Sabadas, Wales, Lowestern urban area communities, uh, a place where they can go and experience a culture that is not, that is not uh, the mainstream culture. Uh, one of the challenges we had uh, when we started our sales was that uh, our community was just producing food. They did not have the business model of it. And when we say, okay, we are selling to Mainas Feeding, Mainas Program, everybody got interested. I want to be part of that. I want to be part of that. So what it takes to fulfill an order, you have to be on time. You have to come with a clean uh, produce and on a clean container. And for us, it's just random. You, 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 you go late. Uh, the container you're using is not correct. Uh, sometimes container that used to, um, containers that, <laughs> that were used for different things. Just like we can put things in there, we can hold it and take it. So it takes a lot of time to train our farmers. And the idea of knowing your customer wasn't part of uh, what we used to have back home in Africa. Uh, what we learned, thanks to my partners, what we learned today is that you know your customer before you put the seeds in the ground. In Africa, it's the other way around. You put the seeds on the ground, it ripes, it's ready, then you look for the customer. And we are taken advantage of because we have all these tomatoes that we do not know who's gonna buy. And then guess what happens? You have tomato that will go bad tomorrow and you have a buyer who is taking advantage of that. So all our foods were cheap all the time. And that is why we were not making money in our agro businesses we had back home in Africa. Now, our farmers learned that they know their customers. They know how to deal with the customers. They know how to make the customers happy. Uh, we are trying to be on time. We are working on that. That's not, we are not there yet, but uh, on time is the most challenging thing we had. Because uh, in our system uh, back home in Africa, there's nothing called appointment. If I tell you, see you tomorrow morning, you will wait for me until it is known. Then you know I'm not coming. <laughs> So the idea of what time wasn't there. The idea of the distance, time travel is not there. Uh, you see somebody who has a, an appointment at 10 o'clock, they're on their couch sitting. It is 9.50 and they're still sitting. They don't count the time travel. Uh, they don't know they have to be there at 10 o'clock. They will wake up when it is 10 o'clock and they get ready, time is going. They get their car go to an appointment, it's almost, it's already 11 o'clock and they missed the appointment. They came back very upset. 
saying that this doctor is no good, this person is no good because he turned me down. Uh, I, I put all this effort and went there and he turned me down. So all these systems are the things that we are working to, to correct uh, with our people. Uh, when I'm, I was doing the uh, interpretation uh, for the hospitals, I call the person ahead of time. I knock on their doors and the person will yell at me. It's only 10 o'clock, the appointment is 11. Why are you pushing me? Uh, you know, they don't know the time travel. That is something we never had back home in Africa. And, and late, showing late was something normal. Like if you bring in a group of people for a meeting, people just drop in one at a time. There's no set time. We come, we sit, and we talk for a long time. There's no time limit. Like you can, if you are talkative, if you talk too much, you continue talking all the time. So uh, coming back to the food, uh, today, I'm, I'm sorry to announce this because in Somalia, the food system is broken uh, because there's no farmers who are farming for the country and the whole country depends on WFB because uh, the farmers started giving up farming and, and the government is not trying to bring the farmers back in. There's no incentive to farm. And many Somali Bantus are in the States right now. They are sending a little bit of money to their people and the people are buying food instead of farming. So they have other ways of living uh, rather than living on the, on the farm. So uh, food justice is something that we here in US take for granted because in Somalia, you are here, you don't know what you're gonna eat for breakfast tomorrow morning. Uh, your kids will go to bed hungry. And that is what the insecurity comes about because if your child is hungry, you start feeling jealous of somebody who have three meals a day. And then what happens is you feel a threat to that person and that person feels a threat. The idea of coexistence is not there. So it comes down to where, we, where the Somali country is right now, where I don't want you to leave, you don't want me to leave, let us collapse all of us together. Because I don't want you to have what you have. And you don't want me to have anything of what you have. And then there's no coexistence. And I'm sorry to say, I am seeing some breakdowns in US today where people are fragmented. There are people like moving apart instead of coming together. And I have seen that firsthand. And that is where Somali is right now. And, and I would say it's not a healthy place. It's not a good way of living. Uh, and it only destroys a society. It doesn't build anything. Uh, so with that few remarks, I would like to say thank you so much. And I'm sorry I was late and it was crazy out there. Thank you. If anybody has any questions. <laughs> yeah, a long story. Uh, 
winters was something new 10 years ago uh, and we had a whole class of winter preparation uh, we used to see people on slippers people on t-shirts in the middle of the winter because we did not know how to appropriately dress for it and many people get sick out of that because uh, the cold was affecting them i've seen a lot of people who got asthma out of that and we are still dealing with it and luckily now we know we have two sets of clothes the the, the summer clothes are going in winter clothes are coming out so <laughs> we know how to deal with it thank you bringing now no we're not bringing uh, anybody from Somalia because this and the people who would like to be here are the people who are in the refugee camps the people who are in Somalia would not like to be here like for example my mom is in Somalia right now and I tried several times to just bring her over to see her grandchildren she's say, she said no yeah so people doesn't like to be to come here and that is one of the reasons why we are not bringing any more people here. Yes and, and no. Uh, some of the foods like sesame needs a so hot temperature, which we do not have. We are trying something like okra. We tried something... Uh, a special kind of eggplant called mkrumbe. Uh, many of the things, the corn, for example, the, the, the corn we are growing is the same corn we used to have back home. Some kinds of squash. Uh, we had a squash called katito, who is a uh, stable food back home in Africa, and we could not bring it to bear fruit. So for the first time, 2022 in Wales, we are seeing a lot of them giving us fruits so that is a surprise and yeah we are growing some of the things we used to grow back home but not all uh the question is how do we irrigate uh we are using drip irrigation system uh again that is one of the systems we learned here back home in africa if you afford to irrigate, you use flood irrigation. You put a pump on the on the river and you just flood the whole field, uh, which is not sustainable here. So we use uh, drip tapes to put on the uh, on the on the beds, and then it drips on the roots of the plant, and we save a lot of water that way. Yeah, so we learn that from here. What was that? Yeah, uh, we we were getting a lot of supports from the community across Maine, and and that has been producing, that has been yielding a lot of uh, where we are at right now, and and continuous support is is something that we appreciate uh, because right now. We are on a stable piece of property. Uh, it's not 100%. We are missing pieces that need to be supported. 
uh, the commercial kitchen, for example, uh, different structures. Uh, we are trying to build uh, a place where we're gonna process our corn uh, because uh, back home in Africa, you just process your corn in your own house. And we started doing that and we had a lot of problems with our landlords because corn will attract rodents and landlords hate rodents. And we got a couple of evic evictions that we solved. Uh, people were showing up at my office. You, you told me you can do the corn at home and my landlord is not happy. I got this paper. And we pers I personally call the landlord and make sure that will not happen again. And, and most of the time, the landlords are really good people. Uh, they just don't want to destroy their own apartments. So yeah, support, support, support is really good. And we would like to appreciate all the people who have been supporting us. Uh, we have uh, an Instagram, Facebook. Uh, we also have a website where people can visit us and try to con like follow us on what, what's happening. Uh, there are a lot of interesting things happening on a daily basis and on also on a weekly basis. And if you can, it's right on one, Route 126. If you uh, happen to drive by, please stop by and say hello because uh, we are seeing a lot of people stopping by, saying hello. Sometimes people will just come, drive through slowly, watch carefully how we do our, our farming. So we appreciate that. It is, we, are, we are happy to introduce our method of farming, which is totally different from the methods used here. So we are open. We are open to the community, and we would appreciate anybody who would come and support and learn with us. And even sometimes we will try to do some food tests when we get the commercial kitchen up and running. Please stop by. Thank you. Yeah. Any other questions? Yes. Oh my God. Yeah, it wasn't a real soccer. Uh, we were, uh, when we were young children, our parents were struggling with putting food on the table. So the idea of getting to a store and buying uh, toys wasn't there at all. So for us, we are kids, right? So we need to play. So we were improvising. We were making our own toys to play with. Sometimes you don't know how to make. You have a friend who knows a friend. Then we exchange some things. You, you, you get a piece of bread. You give it to them. They give you a toy. And then for soccer, we used to have old socks. Sometimes uh, I was in trouble one time. I stole one sock from my dad, put the stuff in, in there, and made a ball out of it. So my dad was looking for the socks. And we are, we are playing two, two teams. It was a really hard game. And my dad came in and grabbed the ball from us and threw this stuff away. And I was in big trouble. So that, is, that was the soccer of that day. Yeah. All right, let's hear it again for Muhuddin. Thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it.
Um, we hope everybody enjoys the rest of the Common Ground Country Fair. We do encourage you to go to the Somali Bantu Community Association website to learn more. And uh, I think Muhuddin will be here for a few minutes if anybody wants to come say hi or ask additional questions. So thanks so much and enjoy the rest of your afternoon.